The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Hello, my name is Ben Bowler from OneGod.com. Together with our partners at the Interspiritual Network and Presence International, we are thrilled to welcome you to this 13-part radio series called The Convergence, uniting the tribes in the interspiritual age. The rest of this decade and the next few decades represent a critical juncture in the evolution of our planet. At a time when consciousness is rapidly expanding, multiple crises on a global scale are also escalating. The sense of urgency is palpable. The question is this, will we wake up and will we grow up just in time to turn this around and navigate our way safely through these straits? If we are to accomplish this, two things are clear. We must do it all together and we must do it now. It is in this spirit that we present to you The Convergence, a journey of waking up and growing up with Dr. Kurt Johnson and friends, together with some of the world's leading philosophers, thinkers, artists, activists, visionaries and intergenerational leaders, we explore the cutting edges of spirituality, consciousness, ecology, social justice and a host of interconnected fields, all essential in moving our planet forward towards a peaceful and positive future. It is my pleasure to introduce to you the series host, Dr. Kurt Johnson. Thanks so much, Ben Bowler, for that introduction to the Convergence series. This is your series host, Dr. Kurt Johnson of the Interspiritual Network. We are really pleased today to be hosting an episode on evolutionary leadership, comprised of members of the evolutionary leaders who can be found at www.evolutionaryleaders.net. My co-host for today, who will be guiding the rest of the episode, is Deborah Moldau. Deborah is co-director with Diane Williams of the Evolutionary Leaders, and she'll be introducing Diane and their other guests from this amazing group of global change agents, which I'm also privileged to be a part. So I'm going to leave that to Deborah as she guides us into and through this episode. As fate would have it, I'm joining this episode at the top of this segment from sunny Costa Rica where I'm co-hosting a retreat on Kundalini Yoga with Karuna, one of our guests here from November. Now, Deborah is an ordained interfaith minister committed to assisting in the transformation of human consciousness, and she's a representative of the universal prayer, May Peace Prevail on Earth. At the United Nations, she co-chairs the International Day of Peace NGO Committee and facilitates the United Religions Initiative Multi-Faith Cooperation Circle at the UN. Deborah is also co-director of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle Project of the Source of Synergy Foundation and also leads monthly Interfaith Sundays at the chapel at Croton Falls, New York. Her newest project, The Garden of Light, provides an online platform for the emerging global spirituality. So I'm happy now to turn over the shepherding of this entire episode of The Convergence on Evolutionary Leadership to Deborah. Hello, everyone. 
The Convergence series is based on uniting the tribes, a key concept in our time. Our vision is global, yet we're only beginning to experience ourselves as one human family. One path to help us achieve this spirit of unity is evolutionary leadership, innovative, heart-centered approaches to how everyone can make a difference for the kind of future that we want for ourselves and for generations to come. Our guests today are all members of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle, sharing their diverse expertise together in community. The wonderful leaders who will speak in a roundtable discussion are Patricia Albert, founder of the Evolutionary Collective, renowned authors Greg Braden and Duane Elgin, and Diane Williams, founder of the Source of Synergy Foundation, which is the home of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle. So before we bring in our other guests, I'd like to ask Diane Williams to give us some background. Diane has done amazing work bringing people together to support synergistic convergence. At the United Nations in New York, she founded the NGO Committee on Spirituality, Values, and Global Concerns, and she co-created the Sacred Place at the UN World Summit on Sustainable Development in South Africa. Her vision birthed the Source of Synergy Foundation, which has gathered an extraordinary community of evolutionary leaders that she and I co-direct. So, Diane, can you tell us a little bit about what evolutionary leadership means to you and how the Evolutionary Leaders Circle came together? Yes, thank you, Deborah. Um, I wish to start by thanking Kurt Johnson, Ben Bowler, Yanni Mariadis, Deborah, and all those that helped to make today's Evolutionary Roundtable possible. Um, they're all extraordinary evolutionary dynamos that make magic happen, so thank you for presenting this um, Convergence series. Um, I'd also like to express my admiration and appreciation to all of today's amazing presenters that are uh, truly outstanding and dedicated evolutionary leaders in every sense of the word, and to the evolutionary leaders in every form, everywhere, including those listening to this call that are individually and collectively taking responsibility for our future destiny. So just to answer your question, um, what is evolutionary leadership? I believe evolutionary leadership begins in the heart, as it's an action one takes out of love, love for one another, and love for the world in which we live. Evolutionary leaders are committed to the continuous growth and evolution of not only themselves, but also those that they come in contact with. This form of leadership is about transcending the limitations of our human existence into something that surpasses what we have experienced before. So it's not only about activating one's highest potential, but it's taking it a step beyond that to a zone where true evolution takes place. So to become evolutionary one's thinking, you have to believe that more is possible and be committed to making outdated ideologies and modalities a thing of the past and experiment with new approaches and paradigms that might work better in the future. So I often ponder on how much could shift in ourselves, our world, and in the cosmos if we could collectively fully step into a higher dimension of reality. And I believe one of the first steps is to join together in a unified field of community with others that are committed to dedicating their lives to ushering in this new reality. Um, so this is what the Evolutionary Leader Circle is all about. 
So I'd like to share a little bit about this special group. Um, in 2006, when the Source of Synergy Foundation was just uh, taking form, we teamed up with the amazingly expansive Deepak Chopra uh, and the Chopra Center in New York to begin hosting conversations with leaders that wish to come together and create a momentum for a shift in consciousness. And once we began meeting, we realized that people wanted to keep coming together because there was a real longing to be in conscious community with others like themselves. Um, the Evolutionary Leader Circle was born out of these gatherings. In 2008, we hosted an amazing group of leaders in the consciousness movement at the Chopra Center in California, including two of our panelists, Greg Braden and Dwayne Elgin, and others at the leading edge of evolutionary change to create deeper coherence so that um, new collaborations and mutual support could flourish. And also to contemplate and act on ideas of how new levels of consciousness could help address some of the world's global challenges. So the Evolutionary Leader Circle has grown and is now made up of 95 awesome leaders, all of whom are connected to a higher vision and fueled by their commitment to join with others around the world to usher in evolutionary change. And I think those in the Evolutionary Leader Circle and all um, the others around the world that are in conscious communities would agree that these forms of synergistic convergence helps us individually and collectively to become more authentic, aligned, cooperative, and effective, and thus supporting conscious evolution to move forward. So in closing, I wish to say that I strongly believe that evolutionary leadership, born out of love for the other and the world, is key to helping us link our hearts in a field of connection so that we can create a symbiotic whole a whole that can only inspire cooperation, peace, and deep love. Thank you. Well, thank you, Diane. Thank you for these pioneering efforts. Uh, what, what, what do you think is the impulse that keeps this group together, that keeps it moving forward? Well, I think the impulse is that deep love, to want to bring people in the world forward. So I think it's as simple as that. I know that um, within the group there's always been some question about the name uh, evolutionary leaders. Uh, people are not reluctant to call themselves evolutionary, but they hesitate to say, well, we're leaders. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's important for people to feel comfortable in whatever role they're in, but the world is calling for us to step more into our leadership because especially when we see what's happening today. It's simply heartbreaking to even watch the nightly news. And um, I think leadership is so needed. So I think if people are inspired to do more, then they're a natural-born leader. So then uh, the leadership is certainly not limited to this, uh, this particular group, but a way of inspiring many people to become leaders? Is, would, you, would you think... That's true? Well, absolutely. I think there's evolutionary leaders in every form all over the planet. And um, uh, part of our group's work is to find them and be in conscious community together. And we have various platforms like our Facebook page, our newsletter. Um, we have a call to conscious evolution, um, which uh, about 45,000 people 
signed on to. You can find that on our evolutionaryleaders.net. Um, so our work is about bringing this community closer together. And how do you bring the community closer together in the evolutionary leaders circle itself? Well, we have um, various ways. We come together in retreats, annual retreats. Um, we also come together in smaller groups like synergy circles around the world. We had some in Europe. We had some in the United States. And these smaller um, circles really help us to connect on an even deeper level. Um, we also have our social media platforms, like I mentioned before. So there's various ways that we engage. It seems like, in, in my experience of the evolutionary leaders retreats over the years, that uh, there's there's a kind of a field that's created, and as as um, as we come together, there you could almost say there's a there's a there's a field of love expands in the group, not only during the retreats, but ongoing from retreat to retreat, from year to year, and even with the members of the circle who are not uh, able to come to the retreats. So uh, I'm wondering what you see as the, the nature of the field that, that is building together in the, uh, in the mutuality of the evolutionary leaders circle. Well, I think you be, uh, first you be, come together with a shared purpose, but I find what happens with any group is that the group helps each other to become more authentic with one another, um, and also cooperations begin to flourish, and a lot comes out of just coming together. I know people have gotten, you know, uh, jobs, they've gotten various types of personal support, um, they've gotten book deals, they've gotten <laughs> awards because they have um, really been inspired by one another's work. And um, that inspiration blossoms, and a lot really comes out of the energy of the collective. So um, I would really encourage all the listeners out there, um, if you're not in a conscious community, to really try to form one or join one um, because I think it's really important um, to walk together with others through this thing we call life. Um, I believe it's a primal need, and it's really fundamental to our sense of happiness and well-being as well as the well-being of the planet to join together um, with others. Well, thank you, Diane. I, I think you've tapped into something that's a real need in our world today for a greater sense of community. As, as we come together as global community, there's Sometimes there's a, um, a feeling of uh, isolation and not being part of things, and we reach out through the uh, social media, and uh, we, we, we yearn for that sense of community that we had in the old days when we lived together in, in tribes. And now we're uniting the tribes all over the world, so community is so very important. So we're going to take a short break right now, and then we'll return for our discussion with evolutionary leaders, Patricia Albert, Greg Braden, and Dwayne Elgin on evolutionary leadership. I search my way through wreckage, try to find a piece to save. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. 
visit facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for us at keyword voice America. You are tuned in to The Convergence. You may connect with our program today by calling toll-free 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send us an email to info at onegod.com. That's I-N-F-O at the number one, God.com. Now back to this week's program. We're back. Talk about evolutionary leadership with Greg Braden. Dwayne Elgin and Patricia Albert. So we'd like to start by asking each of you to give us some of your brief thoughts about the cutting edge of leadership in the 21st century. We're thrilled to welcome best-selling author Greg Braden. He's an internationally renowned pioneer in bridging science, spirituality, and the real world. Following a successful career as a computer geologist, Greg has explored high mountain villages, remote monasteries, and forgotten texts to merge their timeless secrets with the best science of today. His discoveries have led to 11 award-winning books, including The Divine Matrix, Deep Truth, and his latest, Resilience from the Heart. And he was recently honored by a 2016 nomination for the prestigious Templeton Award. Greg is... um, is so he, he is so rich in knowledge and also full of enthusiasm that I, I think his teaching is just uh, irresistible. So, Greg, tell us, you come from a deep history perspective, including your training as a geologist. How do you see leadership evolving today? Mm. Well, first, thank you, uh, Deborah, for the beautiful introduction. And, uh, Diane, I want to thank you for for opening this roundtable and and getting everything started. And um, I'm going to pick right up where you left off, uh, Diane. I I think this is a really important conversation that we're having um, because the nature of leadership and the way we think about leadership is uh, is changing. Uh, And and I think it has to. For me, when I think about leadership, uh, I believe everyone is a leader. We all have someone in our lives that that look up to us or look to us in some way for, uh, for advice or guidance. Sometimes it's nonverbal. It's just the way we live our lives and how other people around us uh, respond, e- even subconsciously, uh, to the way we deal with our own lives and the issues in life. And all of this is important uh, because our world is changing. And as the world changes, we're, we're in uncharted territory right now. We're, we're living a rare convergence of cycles that are changing the way we think and, and live in the world. Uh, big cycles, climate cycles, economic cycles, and even cycles of, of human conflict. Uh, all of these, as, uh, as rare as they are, uh, we happen to be living a lifetime. They're all converging right now. What it means is we've got to think and, and live differently. So when I think about evolutionary change and evolutionary leadership, for me it's about cultivating the sensitivities uh, so that we can lead in a meaningful way. And there are, are two levels that I think of for myself. Number one, the leadership, it, it has to make sense for the time. We can't simply follow a set of, of rules without having the sensitivity to how those rules or how those, those ways of being may fit in the time. So we, we have to be sensitive and aware of that. And I think maybe even more important than that is that whatever we do, 
in our lives, as we carry ourselves in the world, as we respond to the, the uncharted territory that we now find ourselves in, our response has to reflect our, our personal values. Uh, and for me, I, I learned about those uh, in the corporations before I ever had formal training in uh, Cisco Systems and Martin Marietta Defense uh, uh, in Phyllis Petroleum. Uh, I was put into leadership positions without having the training. And I, I looked immediately to, to nature, to the models of nature that would help me to know the, the framework within which I was being asked to, to, uh, to lead individuals, sometimes uh, very large groups. What were the principles of that framework and what were my personal values within those principles? So when I, I look to nature, I'm a degree geologist, so it's very natural for me as a scientist uh, to look to nature. And what I found is, is that nature is actually based upon a model of cooperation and what we call mutual aid. It's not the competition and the conflict that we've been led to believe. So that fundamental principle, that's my framework. Uh, when I think of uh, myself dealing with individuals or, uh, or you know, larger groups, and then my personal values, how do they fit within that framework of, the, uh, of cooperation and mutual aid? So those personal values for me, uh, things like honesty, truthfulness, collaboration, and cooperation, and I think maybe the most important of all is understanding that we are living in an evolutionary shift, and that means change is going to be a constant. So it's about the willingness to embrace change rather than resisting that in our lives. So uh, I'm, I'm going to stop there, uh, and we'll pick this up as we go through our discussions. But for me, these, these are the fundamental principles of the way I think of evolutionary leadership. Greg, thank you. Um, can you just tell us what you what you mean when you say that you feel we're in uncharted territory? Sure, the uncharted territory for me, the, the cycles that I mentioned, Deborah, we've all seen uh, in history. We know about conflict, we know about economic cycles, we know about climate cycles. What what makes our time so unique is that never in five thousand years of recorded human history have we seen all three of these natural rhythms, these natural cycles, we've never seen them converge into a single lifetime in the way that we're seeing it right now, in the change that is sweeping the face of the earth, every nation, every culture, every society, and every facet of our lives. We don't have a, a good guidebook. Uh, we don't have a, a good model to help us, help us to know how to respond to this. And, and for that reason, uh, I say we are in uncharted territory and if we can find a universal constant in our leadership uh, that will work no matter what territory we're in, I, I think that is the value of the evolutionary approach that we're talking about today. Okay, so it's, it's exciting times we're living in, even if they seem a bit chaotic to us. I, I am an, uh, absolutely an optimist. I've never been more optimistic about our nation, about all nations, about the future of the world, because now we know what works and what doesn't. And when so many systems are in chaos, that is the opening, that's the opportunity. When one idea from one person in one moment in time has the ability to shift the tide and change the way we respond to our world in a way that simply uh, isn't possible when, when everything seems to be all buttoned up and locked down and nice and neat and tidy in, in previous, uh, previous epics of, of world history. It's because of the chaos that we have the opportunities. <laughs> Okay, you're giving me chills. <laughs> it's great to hear some optimism these days. Thank you so much, Greg. Yeah, thank you.
Let, let's turn now to, to give a warm welcome to Duane Elgin. Duane is an internationally recognized speaker and a social visionary, and he has such a big heart. He looks beneath the surface uh, turbulence of our times to explore the deeper trends that are transforming our world. His unique, inspiring books include The Living Universe, Promise Ahead, Voluntary Simplicity, and Awakening Earth. So, Duane, you talk about our place on a living planet in a living universe. How does that inform your views on leadership, and where do you see us heading? Great questions, Deborah. Uh, let me just cut through, given the limitations of time. I see two critical areas of evolutionary leadership, voice and vision. Humanity needs a voice. Humanity needs a vision, as Greg and others are saying. Uh, we are in uncharted territories. Where's the vision to take us into the future, and where's humanity's voice to call for and guide that vision? And uh, let's look at these. Uh, we need a voice. Certainly, uh, uh, corporations have a voice in the future. Nations uh, have a voice in the future. Einstein said, if we're going to solve a problem, we need to rise above the level at which it was created. We have challenges, planetary challenges, being created by nations and corporations. So we need to rise above that level to the transnational level if we're going to search for meaningful solutions. And that means the people of the Earth, the entire Earth, now needs a voice. Now, it turns out at the very time that we need a voice, more than half of the uh, human family has access to the Internet. Um, we face these critical challenges, but we can begin respectful communication about our common future. So uh, we need a voice. Uh, we have the technological capacities uh, to use that voice, and what's now required is the leadership to manifest that uh, technological ability into realistic conversations about our common future. Never happened before in, in human history. This is incredibly uh, exciting uh, to see this begin uh, to emerge, an Earth voice movement. Uh, that's a new superpower on the Earth that will rise above the so-called superpower status of, say, the United States, uh, China, and other countries. So there's a voice. Secondly, we need a vision. The vision we've had is that we're living in a dead universe, a non-living universe. And if the universe is essentially dead at the foundations, well, then you better be coping for survival. And materialism makes sense in a dead universe. And now science is beginning to say, no, it's not a dead universe. It's a living uh, universe. And in a living universe, simplicity makes sense. Because what you want to do is engage the aliveness of a living universe. And so the vision then is, well, we're turning from materialism to learning to live in a living universe, and that's a place of love, that's a place of pulling uh, together. So those are the two key areas uh, of leadership that I, I think are critical to our future, a voice for the earth, the whole earth, and a vision for the whole earth that transcends materialism and draws us into a spirit uh, of love and mutuality for the future. Wow. That's, uh, that sounds like a good way to be headed. Uh, I have a question about simplicity. It seems that 
we're moving toward ever-increasing complexity and this uh, onslaught of information. So how do you see simplicity evolving out of that? Uh, there are higher orders of simplicity. At some point, the complexity of all of, all of this needs to be <clears throat> reorganized in a higher level of simplicity. And I think, actually, that is beginning uh, to happen, that uh, we are beginning to see people taking charge of their lives at the very local scale, saying it's overwhelming at the global scale. Uh, and, and so we're recreating our lives in a way that, that hopefully uh, works more uh, functionally. And that means both a localization as well as an appreciation through an Earth Voice kind of initiative, if you will, of globalization. So we have a, a sense of the whole at the same time that we're doing more meaningful work to create functional tribal, let's say a new tribalism, kind of community life at the local uh, scale. So we're actually recreating our lives, not just thinking about it differently, but actually building uh, new uh, life systems uh, differently. So we can recreate our lives through simplicity in order to deal with the complexity that's, that's surrounding us and to be exactly. more effective in addressing it? Exactly. Exactly. And in, in the spirit of what Greg was saying about uh, looking at nature systems, uh, nature is a master of simplicity, of design and functionality, and our mastery of living is being called forth now by the challenges of the earth. So this is a really exciting time of innovation, entrepreneurship, and creation. Oh, thank you, Dwayne. Thank you. Very inspiring. So we're going to take a short break once more, and when we come back, we'll hear from Patricia Albert about the collective nature of evolutionary leadership. So stay tuned. I search my way through wreckage, try to find a piece to Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. You are tuned in to The Convergence. You may connect with our program today by calling toll-free 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send us an email to info at onegod.com. That's I-N-F-O at the number one, God.com. Now back to this week's program. We're discussing evolutionary leadership with Greg Braden, Dwayne Elgin, Diane Williams, and Patricia Albert. So we're now going to turn to Patricia Albert. She is the founder and the director of the Evolutionary Collective and an internationally known contemporary spiritual teacher and author. Patricia has worked with over 150,000 people in groups over the last 40 years. And let me tell you, she is beloved by every single one of them. Her mastery as a transformative teacher is now innovating a new field of intersubjective awakening and post-personal development, definitely an evolutionary approach to relatedness. So, Patricia, tell us, what kind of leadership do you see emerging? Yeah, first, um, just to define leadership, at least from, from where I see it, is 
that a leader uh, brings forth a future that wouldn't happen without us and inspires and supports others to live into that future. And the definition for me for evolutionary leads into, um, you know, obviously the, the movement into collective or unified awakening. Uh, you know, the evolutionary process, you know, as I think most people know, is only we've only be- become aware of it in the last few hundred years. And at this point, what we understand about evolution is that, you know, since the Big Bang, that we've been going through different series of phase changes. Um, and that matter actually complexifies and then emerges, you know, kind of jumps magically in a way into a different order of life. So, you know, we've gone from inanimate life to plant life to animal life to human life and consciousness. And I don't think, I mean, I have a couple of scientists, you know, um, on this call, you know, I'm sure that they understand these things way better than I do, but it seems quite miraculous, you know, that each time we cross this threshold, you know, life crosses a threshold, um, we continue on in a way that, uh, you know, allows for the things that um, need to happen. And um, as my cohorts on the call have been saying, you know, I mean, obviously we're, we're at a threshold point um, once again. And this emergence, you know, which is what drives evolution, um, you know, some, something arises out of wasn't, what wasn't there before. And Teilhard de Chardin, who is a Jesuit paleontologist and, and somebody that I um, found out about after I began the, the collective work that I've been doing, and I was just like sort of screamingly happy um, just hearing his perspectives. And one of the things he named, uh, which was very resonant to the, to the way in which I've been working you know, with people is that he said that in order for this emergence to happen, you, you have molecules, you know, atoms become molecules, molecules continue to evolve. But in order for them to come together into something new, they have to share some characteristic energy um, that allows them to unite. And it makes sense, you know, we've been, you know, individuating, you know, amazingly in the last epoch, you know, in the last, you know, couple thousand years, you know, we've, we've come to this, you know, we have 7 billion people and we're at the height, um, at least many people are, of real incredible individuation, you know, knowing who we are, um, knowing our inner world, um, how to function in the outer world in pretty amazing ways and, you know, it would make sense that at some point, you know, the unity um, that clearly seems to be what we need is a different awakening into a consciousness of unity, not just knowing about it or knowing it when we close our eyes and meditate, but actually eyes open, connected, that as humans share characteristic energy, which is different than our normal uh, egoic sense of separation, that we actually become united, you know, in different, like in a larger scale being, um, which Thich Han called interbeing. Um, I like that word, works for me. And, uh, you know, there's a different consciousness that then becomes explored when we start to connect with these new pathways um, as, a, as, a, as an organism. And our individuation is heightened, actually, we become more unique and the particular gifts that we have seem to be even given more fully and freely 
Um, there's a kind of selflessness. You know, you become less busy with ourselves, you know, less in our own encased, self-concerned bubble. Um, you know, there's more of that flow state. You know, when people are really flowing and mas- masterful, they tend not to be thinking about themselves. They tend to be in a, in a more open boundaried kind of way of being. And, you know, the evolution, you know, the way I see the leadership happening is that, you know, the edge of evolution, Tehard called, um, you know, wherever the, the threshold is, you know, wherever we're headed on the planet, it seems that he called that the arrow of evolution. Like, that's where the action is. That's where a lot of, you know, the eyes of the universe kind of start paying attention to that edge. Um, and to me, you know, one of the things that where we're headed is evolving together collectively, discovering, you know, as you were saying, you know, moving into groups, how do we hack into the real ability, you know, to access a certain kind of collective consciousness and, you know, way of being connected, you know, 24-7 that we can then, you know, think differently and create differently and access different kinds of levels of collective information and intelligence and, you know, it's kind of like a new world of of uh, evolution. So that's one of, as far as I can tell, that's one of the leading edges of um, evolutionary leadership would be in that domain. It's fascinating, uh, your work, Patricia. Uh, I, I'm wondering, for people who have fear uh, of uniting at that level, we seem very divided right now, and there. <laughs> There's consciousness that, like, I don't want that consciousness to be part of my consciousness. Uh, how, how can we achieve that kind of unity that you're talking about um, to get past this, um, these considerations that we might have of losing ourselves or our best selves? Right. Well, I think, you know, like anything that's, you know, I think there's different pieces that we all have to do. And I think that developmentally, you know, this, this unity consciousness or this, this quality of a, you know, collective awakening being, you know, it isn't just universal. I think it, it actually is happening on scale, like, like a scale being, just like if you're in love with a lover and you're really connected on a soul level, you become something larger as well as be still being individual. And so I think the people that, you know, have pretty good boundaries and, um, developmentally are, you know, pretty healthy and are interested in and have the, the life circumstances to be able to pay attention to something other than themselves, at least for periods of time, that we need to discover how does this awaken? How does this larger scale consciousness awaken in some kind of sustained way and what is it capable of? And, and the morphogenic fields, like I believe that then there will be patterns, you know, laid out in consciousness that then will make it more possible for families and organizations and who knows, maybe even governments, um, you know, to be able to access a, a unity consciousness that's more in the field of what's possible. Um, right now, we're so separate. You know, we're just so separate that um, even just trying to coordinate and collaborate and co-create, you know, is still separate objects in time and space trying to get along, and it's not working really well, um, as far as I can tell. 
yeah, doesn't that's look what like Rick it. was addressing when he was saying that uh, that he's optimistic because these feelings that we're having of um, uh, of um, discontent around the separateness could be exactly what drives us toward the unity. Yeah. Well, it's so um, exasperated. I mean, you just watch CNN or any of the other things. I mean, it's the divisiveness and the breakdown of, you know, some individual leader, you know, saving us all is just falling apart. And there's a longing. You can feel people's dismay and then, but also this sort of underlying helplessness and longing for how do we come together? How do we unify? How do we you know, how is this going to work? Because we do, we're longing for something that, you know, the Internet, you know, the, the fact that we are hooking up is showing us that we can all, like, like after 9-11, we can be one. You know, all of a sudden we can slip into this space where all of a sudden it feels like there's a consciousness where we're inside together. Um, and even with the election, I think the world kind of was in, different, you know, had different reactions, but we were kind of all in it together. And mm-hmm. so I, I have a lot of hope and faith, too, that with the breakdowns and the fact that we're, it's possible, we're connected, you know, there's a way in which for us to move forward that, that this, this quality of unity consciousness is, you know, we're headed there for sure. Well, we uh, have just a couple of minutes left in this segment, but I know that uh, all of you are are hoping to get to jump in and and respond to some of what you've heard. So um, I'm wondering, um, Greg, I bet you 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 can see the collective awakening that Patricia describes in relation to the evolution of natural systems. So are we on track? Sure. Well, Patricia, thank you for everything I I just heard. Uh, You and I don't speak uh, very often, and I don't think we've ever spoken directly. (laughs) But I I follow your work, and I follow your work closely. And the the principles that you're talking about mirror beautifully uh, the natural systems that uh, mm-hmm. that I think have to be the model. We are of nature, and uh, when we are living in these uncharted times, uncharted territories, uh, I think our best bet is always going to be to, to follow the, the lead of, of nature. And when we look at, at living systems, cells always tend toward community. And, and from Duane's perspective, uh, that he, he's pioneering now, the perspective of, of a living universe and of a living planet, we ourselves on this this living being, and it is our natural evolution to, to move toward community. And I think community you know, means different things to different people, but we're, we're now defining what that community means uh, on a global level. So, Patricia, thank you for, for bringing that into this conversation today. Thank you. Duane, do you want to respond to that in just a, just a minute? Uh, just gratitude, appreciation for the uh, wonderful souls on this call. I'm enjoying the uh, conversation. Yes, it's it's very inspiring to to look at ways that coming together is is. really that's the edge of of leadership, and you you think of an individual leader and many followers, but what if we were all involved in this collective awakening and all able to become evolutionary leaders in our own right? So we'll talk a little bit more about that in our roundtable discussion on evolutionary leadership in the next segment. We'll take a short break. Try to find a piece to save. 
Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You are tuned in to The Convergence. You may connect with our program today by calling toll-free 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send us an email to info at onegod.com. That's I-N-F-O at the number one, God.com. Now back to this week's program. We're back with evolutionary leaders, Patricia Albert, Greg Braden, Dwayne Elgin, and Diane Williams. In this closing segment, uh, I'd like to hear from all of you, and maybe we can bring some of the ideas we've been discussing on evolutionary leadership into a more personal context for our listeners. So, um, Patricia, what, what can people do in their own lives to begin to live into the interbeing that you're developing in your work? Um, well, I, I want to say something first is, you know, I love what Dwayne said about the vision, you know, quote from Jesus was, without vision, the people perish. And I think especially right now when everything's in flux, for people to come together and to have conversations instead of, you know, just the, you know, it's easy to have conversations about what's wrong with everything and sort of being in shock and horror about certain things. Um, but to rather envision really what's possible and not, not dependent upon what's already here, you know, to actually really consider a world um, of connection, a world, you know, a government that, that actually was connected you know, I, I often liken it to, you know, like if we went into the South in the 1950s and we walked around and we talked to people, we'd be, we'd be like horrified. And I think that the kind of separation that we live in is not dissimilar. I think, you know, 20 or 30 years from now, we'll look back and go, oh, my God, how did they get anything done? And, and how, of course, it, it was, you know, in chaos. So I do think that if people have conversations and really let themselves envision what's really possible, what they really would want, instead of based on, you know, quote, reality, um, that could actually help. And I know Greg's a genius at this. I mean, his work has always pointed people towards (laughs) the possible. Thank you for that enthusiasm. But I I just, I want to jump in and say I I agree with everything that uh, that you just said, Patricia. And and the, the key for me, and I come back to this time and time again, there's so much fear in the world. People are frightened because the world is changing in ways that we have never been prepared to understand or accept. And for most people, it's happening faster uh, than we've been led to believe is possible. And the question I always ask myself is, how, how can we embrace this change in a healthy way if we're not honest with ourselves about the change? When mm-hmm. I share the, the facts uh, of cycles, the cyclic, rhythmic nature of, uh, of what is happening in our lives today, something that indigenous people have done for thousands of years, and, and modern science has kind of written off the textbooks, uh, the this, this power of rhythms and, uh, rhythms and cycles. But when people can see uh, on a, a screen in front of them, when they can see climate cycles converging with economic cycles, converging with conflict cycles, they say, my God, you know, no wonder it looks like everything's falling apart, but it's really not falling apart. It is uh, a very intense, a rare, precious, intense moment in time, 
And it's only a problem if we don't understand it and we don't know what it means in our lives. And as we embrace the deepest truths of our existence and our relationship to these natural cycles, it makes perfect sense. We don't have to convince or persuade anyone. It makes perfect sense for us to come together in community, in cooperation, uh, the principles of mutual aid that we see in biology. And I think it's a natural outcome of the understanding of what's happening. And Deborah, you asked for, for specific examples on a personal level. Uh, where personal and, uh, and national come together, I think the country of Bhutan is a beautiful example where the leader, instead of being concerned about gross national product, has now uh, made gross national happiness the focus of what's happening for his people and his nation, recognizing that that is going to be the key to his leadership in guiding people through, through the times of change that we're seeing right now. Yeah, I'd like to inspiring to actually um, think of happiness as a goal instead of productiveness, which we're so addicted to in our society. And, Duane, when you talk about an Earth Voice movement, it, it, it seems almost like this collective of humanity uh, awakening yes. uh, it then g- g- almost gives voice to the Earth itself. I mean, how, do you, yes, how do you see that? exactly. Yeah, how how do we do that? We can yeah, do that anytime we want. How do we do it? We seem we so want. divided uh, these days, politically, economically, culturally. How how do we come oh, together? Oh, we do, we we don't go to the uh, dominant political <laughs> institutions and say, "May we do this?" They're going to say, "Absolutely not! You cannot do this. You cannot transcend the status quo and speak to us from a more transcending perspective." This has to be a a uh, grassroots initiative done by global mm-hmm. citizens and calling forth other global citizens around the earth. So this is a, an initiative to awaken uh, a new social meme of, of uh, empowered citizenship on the earth, and it is yet to emerge, but the technological capacity for it to emerge is present. And I think what people are seeing is that the global brain is waking up, and it's being used for commercial purposes and purposes to distract our attention instead of being used to proactively look for a more promising future. And yet that technology is just sitting there waiting for us to uh, mobilize our social will and use it in a much more constructive fashion. So uh, this is, uh, we've, we know how to communicate. That's the lifeblood of human civilization. We just need to extend that in with the uh, sympathetic understanding, the mutuality that uh, Patricia is speaking about. Wow, the global brain is waking up. That is really yeah. exciting. Uh, Diane, that that would seem to me to be based on an enormous amount of synergy. How do you see it? Well, um, as Greg, Duane, and Patricia said earlier, um, we need vision, good models, and approaches to respond to to respond to what's going on in the world. So, in addition to forming or joining a conscious community, I wanted to make a plug for the importance of having a spiritual practice like meditation. I know it helps me a lot. And I wanted to just read something in the book, Leadership Agility, Five Levels of Mastery, um, by Joyner and Joseph. They wrote about their understanding of what it takes to, to lead in a world of rapid change and increasingly um, complexity. And they said the characteristics um, they have found to be almost universal, and those leaders rated as the most effective and evolved end of the spectrum is an ongoing commitment to a meditation or spiritual practice. 
So this is affirmation that the best leaders seek to continually expand their consciousness in service to the higher good. Mm, I think uh, uh, everyone on this call and in our evolutionary leaders community um, would agree that there's a real spiritual component that when, when we talk about uh, mutual awakening and, and the, uh, the the global brain waking up that this is this is a as spiritual as it is anything else, and we're all committed to being part of that uh, that wave of spiritual evolution, as well as uh, technological and all the other evolutions that we're that we're experiencing in our complex world. I I, I want to thank you, all of you, brilliant evolutionary leaders on our roundtable today, Patricia Albert. Greg Braden, Dwayne Elgin, and Diane Williams, uh, you're all just doing such inspiring work in the world. Uh, it was wonderful to have you together in conversation. The Evolutionary Leaders Circle is a project of the Source of Synergy Foundation, so all of you listening, please check us out on Facebook or at uh, www.evolutionaryleaders.net. And I also want to encourage you to listen to the other episodes in this series on Voice America, The Convergence, which features many other members of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle, including Kurt Johnson, who is the host of the series, as well as Stephen Dynan, Oscar Miro Quesada, Claudia Wells, Michael Dowd, and Deepak Chopra. Greg Braden, would you like to offer some closing thoughts on evolutionary leadership? Well, you know, I'm thinking back to everything that I've just heard uh, in this roundtable, Deborah, and we've covered a, a tremendous amount of information, covered a lot of ground. And when I think of the wisdom from each of the panelists, for me, they're, they're like tools, and I like to think of a, a framework within which to put those, those tools, some kind of a toolbox. So for me, personally, it comes back to, uh, to a way of thinking and a philosophy. When, when I was 10 years old, I read a quote by a man named Khalil Gibran in his book, The Prophet. And what he said was that work is our love made visible. Work is our love made visible. And that has been a cornerstone of my life since I was 10 years old. When I think about this call and the tremendous amount of work that it takes for us to be evolutionary leaders, I think we're worth it. And I think it's an expression of just that, Deborah. It's our love made visible. That's a beautiful way to wrap up our program today. Thank you so much, Greg. So thank you all for being with us today. Thank you to our presenters, and thank you to all of you who are listening. We honor your path of evolutionary leadership. Deborah, thanks so much for hosting this episode on evolutionary leadership with the evolutionary leaders while I'm away in Costa Rica. Our next episode, The Future of Christianity, airs on December 22nd, just before Christmas, and we'll be featuring some of Christendom's most dynamic leaders. Our sponsoring host, Doug King of Presence, and his colleague, Mike Morell, most recently co-author of a wonderful new book with Father Richard Rohr, The Divine Dance, The Trinity and Your Transformation, We'll be engaging two Christian leaders who are most likely household words to many of you, Rob Bell and Brian McLaren. So join us on The Convergence just before Christmas for this inspiring program on the future of Christianity with Doug King, Mike Morell, Rob Bell, and Brian McLaren.
Thank you for joining our team, Dr. Kurt Johnson, Ben Bowler, and Doug King for The Convergence. We invite you to tune in again next Thursday at 5 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel for another edition of the program. Until we talk again, have an outstanding week. Like tragedies, democracy wakes up diseased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.